pop culture and gaming has changed. No longer is it just for the nerds and geeks, not just the kids and teens, but for everyone. Even four black guys with similar tastes, but totally different personalities. Join us as we talk about the latest in gaming, film and TV, and entertainment. Content by us, for us. Join us at the Shoe Program. Welcome back, family. Welcome back. Welcome to the Shoe Program, home of the 23-hour lockdown. This is yours truly. We got a good one for you today, family. Uh, we got a special guest in the building. Mr. Greg is in the house. What up, Greg? What's going on, fam? How's it going? All right, all right. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. Go ahead and hit that subscribe. Go ahead and hit that like button. Join us down in the comments. Join the conversation. We want to know what you're talking about. Uh, we're going to get this one started. Go ahead, EJ. What we got? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, first and foremost, as Cam mentioned, we have a special guest today, Greg. Welcome to the shoe program, bro. Um, for those who don't know you, just give a little background because I know you're going to talk a lot about football. Just give us, uh, you know, like a little background on what you do. All right. Well, first off, I just want to tell y'all thank you for uh, letting me be on the show, man. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. But uh, for those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Greg Brash. My cousin is DJ and my boys, Marn, Cam, and Jay. Uh, <clears throat> I, so I coach football, uh, played football at the Naval Academy, played defensive back. And now I actually coach for the uh, Naval Academy Prep School, which is a feeder school into the Naval Academy. Well, that's what I'm doing. I mean, my, my goal is obviously to be a Division One coach and get down in the Navy or wherever my journey takes me. But that's where I'm at right now, man. We just pushing forward. Cool, cool. Appreciate it. Well, like Cam said, we're going to hop right into it. Um, in the world of sports, you know, right now in basketball, there's a lot going on, on the road to the playoffs, getting ready for the play-in for the playoffs. Um, but we got the Warriors, you know, making some noise recently. I think they've won four of the last five games. And we got Steph Curry kind of doing his thing. Uh, you know, the threes, obviously, ball handling, everything that he brings to the table. But uh, recently, over the last 10 games, he's been putting in a lot of work. I think he's been averaging 39.1 points a game over the last 10 games. So question that we saw this week and that I wanted to pose to the shoot program was, do you think Steph Curry at the end of his career, will be in the top 10 greatest players of all time. Does it mean top three, top five, just anywhere within the top 10, and it can be 10 as well. So, uh, Greg, since you are the guest, we'll go ahead and shoot it over to you just to see your thoughts and your feelings on it and let us know how you feel about uh, stepping in that top 10 when it's all said and done. All right, appreciate that. So, when I look at, when it comes to basketball players, we're talking about the greats, to me, it's about the impact of the game. What type of impact does that player make on the game? Now, my top three to begin with, I'll just say, always gonna be MJ, no matter what. MJ, Kobe, LeBron, I'll put those as my one, two, three. Now, the rest of the list is obviously up for debate, but I would honestly, at the end of the career, Steph has, I would put him right at number 10. And here's why. I'm gonna say 2015, okay? 2015 season from their first championship that the Warriors won. Obviously, their team was known for shooting threes left and right. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, splash runs, yada, yada, yada. That changed the game of basketball completely. Because now, what are kids trying to do now? They're trying to shoot threes. You've got to be able to shoot the three to be able to keep up with teams in the NBA. That single-handedly changed the game. Not only that, not only that, but Steph made it to where now it's not about just shooting a simple three. 
It's about how deep you can shoot the three. You know, shooting threes from depth for Steph is nothing to him. Now you got everybody else trying to perfect that shot, you know, trying to be two deep threes so they can impress, you know, the crowd, that type of thing. But for Steph, it's, it's, it's nothing. And as I'm actually watching the game right now. They're playing the 76ers right now. And the way that Steph moves without the ball is even spectacular because this dude has got to be in the greatest shape I have ever seen because this man is constantly running around trying to create his own shot. Now, EJ, me and you talked about this the other night. Like, the man has got to be in spectacular shape. And the way that he finishes at the rim, I didn't really pay attention to how he finishes. Now, Kyrie Irving, to me, is the best finisher in the game. But Steph Curry is a close second. He is a close second. The way that man gets to the rim, you know, with his uh, underhand layups, the way he moves around without the ball, the way he has handles, and just the impact he's had on the game, to me, I think at the end of the day, Steph Curry is going to be number 10 for me at the end of the day with all said and done. I mean, and he has three championships already to his to his, uh, to his his test. So that's my opinion. Cam, I know you had a little rebuttal when we were talking about earlier. Hey, thoughts? What's your thoughts? Hi, man. Um, I like Steph. I think Steph is a great player, and I will go on his credit as the greatest shooter of all time. All right. Um, I've been thinking about it a little bit lately, man, simply because I know a lot of times in the media, we live in a moment, right? And I know Clay is hurt, so he getting a lot of, a lot of props. He doing his thing, like, don't get me wrong. Um, I just think the credit may not be accurate. The reason the game changed was because of not just Steph, it was the whole Warriors system why the game changed and it didn't change until they actually started winning rings. Because nobody cares if you balling out and you ain't winning, nobody gives a shit. I mean, nobody cares what you do because you ain't winning. So when the Warriors won that way, that's kind of changed the game. So I, I just, I don't want to give too much credit to Steph without giving also just as much credit to Clay uh, in that regards. And I mean, uh, I, I I don't do the, uh, I don't do too much of the list. Or like I have to put some thought into it before I before I do it. Top ten before he's before he's done as possible. I never you know want to sell somebody short and say they can't make top ten uh, or make anything and then they're not done producing. Um, but what I will say is like my even when it just come down to point guards, like I, mean, I got Magic one, I got John Stockton two. Um, you gonna consider AI a point guard or not that's kind of dicey because now are you considering point guards or scoring guards in the, in the same thing as well but that's where that's where the step would come in that 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 third spot with AF for me uh, if we're going to consider him a point guard uh, if not then obviously Steph would just move up but I mean I think he's the greatest shooter of the game I just think he gets a little bit of a little bit of moment in the or a little bit of caught in the moment credit that may be a little exaggerated. And I mean, everything in the game is not just shooting threes. Although he's the greatest shooter, you know, there's still other holes that he have in his game. So I give him his props. I give him props. But yeah, he didn't even win finals MVP. So <laughs> and I mean, it's just, and he has come up short in the playoffs. I mean, it's just a lot that goes when you look at like overall career. I don't look at the moment. I look at everything. So as much as I give him credit, I gotta dock him the same way for stuff he don't do well. So um, at this point, I don't see him reaching the top 10 at this point. 
But I mean, like I said, it's still possible. It's still up there because he's still playing, and who knows, you know, what he'll accomplish overall. Jay, I know, I know, Steph is a debated. He is subject to you <laughs> since you hate all things Warriors because you're a LeBron fan. So, how do you feel <laughs> just objectively <laughs> about uh, this question? Oh, and uh, don't forget about Dame too about finishing, and don't forget about Dame about shooting either. Dame did too. Yeah, and Dame is also up there on the list. I see him. He's averaging 28 uh, 28.7 points a game. He's right behind Steph uh, in the top five points per game. But yeah, uh, I will. I will. I will. I pretty much agree with Greg. I think, and and a little bit of what Cam was saying too is that uh, you know by the end of Steph's career, he will be at least in the top ten uh, NBA players of all time. Uh, be, one of the reasons like Greg uh, basically talked about was is the fact that he literally has changed the game. Now the, the game is is a offense heavily game focused on shooting the three. Literally every position um, is shooting threes nowadays like never before. The mid-range is being considered a, a terrible shot to take at times now. The only a few players are, you know, like maybe Kawhi and I know LaMarcus Aldridge for Utah, I know you're going to touch on that, but, you know, only a few players are actually, you know, really going from the mid-range now. Um, I would I would say, I would say, yes, at, you know, like I said, he will be top five. I, I will even go as far as saying, you know, I know we always say, and I think we all agree, yes, he is the best shooter of all time, but I would go as far as saying he's the best scorer of all time. I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the greatest scorer, Steph, the greatest scorer. Now he's, he mainly shoots. Is bro over KD? Who also? Okay, I digress. <laughs> no, say say your point. I I feel you. I feel you. But I think the shooter. When you go to score, you're talking about he, he can't be the greatest scorer. And 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 I'll put it to you just because simply. His stats won't even say he's the greatest scorer. So if if you like, man, that's that's tough to say the greatest scorer. Like with everything involved, man, that's tough. I, I I think when we when okay, well maybe the only difference between stuff is that maybe you know KD can dominate in the post as well. It's from the outside of the line. I mean, if you want to, I mean that's really the major difference between scoring. Be a scorer and a shooter. Yeah, like what would make that's a what would make difference. a good scorer? Yeah, because yeah. my thing is that like you got to factor in point points as numerically, right? And how they score. Mm-hmm. So right. So when you say the greatest score, you look at you look at not only how they score, but you look at also ease of scoring, right? So you look at that all their capabilities, right? So greatest score would just be. I mean, I would put Melo up there as greatest scores. Of course, MJ is yeah, up he's going to be up there. Okay. So you know, okay, if, course, if that's the Durant case, it's probably going to be the most efficient scorer ever. Um, if that's the case, would Wilt still be on that list uh, of greatest scores? Of course, of course. Now it's a little. Here's the thing about but we just say I easy say, scorer, I, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I try to stay in the modern time. This one caveat. I try to stay in the modern times. Um, yeah. So when we go back a little, when we go back past a certain point, it kind of it. it, it I mean, even comparing Jordan to this time is still uh, is still off because they play different and the game is different. But you know, when you get back to like Will's time, it's uh, it's a little different. Right. But he's still, I mean, he's still in that conversation. He has the most points ever. Yeah, true. But 
yeah, I agree. We definitely got to stay in the modern era because let's not forget that there, it was way when we talk about ease of scoring. Th that was <laughs> that was a time where it was literally easy to score if you was almost seven feet tall. So you're literally just dropping the ball in the basket. I mean, that, that's just like you just have an advantage. I don't count that as you being a great scorer because you have an advantage. I count what are you capable of for one trick pony. And you might do that trick very, very well, better than anybody else. But we have seen where that has been taken away from him, and he has not produced being that. And that's, but that's my point. You that's have anything to add to that, real quick. You said what? Did you do? I was just asking, did you have anything to add to that? I know you was you was talking about the stats with uh, uh with the people back in the day. So I was asking, did you have anything else to add to that conversation? What Cam is saying, like whose side are you on with, with this? Me on my side, in in actually physically seeing Steph play. To, you got to me. I'm. It, it's it boils down to the same point that what Cam is making in the debate of just like, are we gonna classify him as a great shooter? Which he is. You have to give him that. That's clear, right? But is that gonna be synonymous with being a scorer too? Gotcha. Because because if we're looking at the total package, then I mean. He can go in that list, but is he going to be high? Not necessarily, but he made it. You see what I'm saying? Because of the simple fact that if you got to factor in how the game is being played now and how he's changed the game being played. And that technically you can make a very like low end argument for it. It's not going to be something that's solidified like a mellow or a Dame Lillard or, you know, uh, hell, even a Russell Westbrook of some sort. You see what I'm saying? But if you want to just have to grade him against other all-time leading scorers then you, you you would have a little bit of a harder time getting that off just for the simple fact that really at the end of the day your argument is going to fall back on how the style of game is being played if you put if, if i was to put step back in the 90s or in the early 2000s i ain't gonna sit up here and go can, can say they're gonna shoot he's gonna be consistently shooting the lights out the gym and, and that be an easy thing because like what king mentioned is that like hey we see Steph be put under pressure and he didn't perform. So, I mean, if you're going to be an all-around great season, kind of consistently do that over and over again. Yes. One thing that we do know that he's done is that Steph is a phenomenal shooter, but that also means that you have to be on in order to be a phenomenal shooter. Gotcha. And that's where things that get funky. So, me personally, I haven't chimed in yet, but I wanted to look at it from a different perspective. I know, Cam, we talked about stats earlier before we started, and I had the stats up because I wanted to, to read the stats for everybody to understand and see what's going on. Because the biggest thing people try to bring, first of all, which I have to agree with to a degree, is they say like in big moments or in the playoffs or in the finals specifically, you know, he doesn't he doesn't do what he's supposed to do or he doesn't win finals MVP or this, this and that. So I'm just going to read everybody his, his playoff stat because his playoff stats are kind of ridiculous. Um, he's averaging 26.5 points a game in the playoffs, 6.3 assists, and 5.4 rebounds. And that's in 112 playoff games in the spirit. That's great. Um, I don't know. As his numbers go up or down in the playoffs from the regular season. So, regular season stats, he averages for his career, he averages 24 points a game, four rebounds, six assists. So, it's actually his stats go up in the playoffs. He's going to be lower because of the beginning of his career. Right. True. Um, but I'm just I'm just going over all the games he's played so far in his career, giving you stats. 47, 47, 47 um, field goal percentage, 44 percentage from the three-point range, 91% from the free throw line. Okay, that's just regular 
regular season stats. But when he goes to the playoffs, he's averaging 26.5, six assists, five rebounds a game. So, like, I get the fact that we're saying, oh, and I think what everybody comes down to is they look at that one final sequence of the finals against the Cavs when they went four for the last like that, like, like that's serious. And, and I get it. And, and that, and there's reason and, and there's a validity to that, that argument. Like I get what y'all are saying, but you can't hold that two minute sequence where they did not score and say that's Stephen Curry in the playoffs. That's not Stephen Curry in the playoffs or the finals. Mm-hmm. And yes, he does, need just have, he does need to have a performance where you go, okay, damn, he, he hit a big shot in this moment. And, you know, to, to solidify him being a great in the finals or a great in the playoffs or whatever. But we can't sit here and say that this dude just goes to the playoffs and now he's averaging 19 points a game, two rebounds, one assist. Like, he's not doing it. He's actually, he improves when he goes to the playoffs. And I mean, I'm just looking at what the the stats say. Like, I'm not saying he's the greatest player in the playoffs ever. We're not saying that. I'm just saying, like, off record. Look at the It shows that he he plays better in the playoffs than he does during the regular season. Now, did he... Did he win Finals MVP? No, he did not. He's also playing with another person who's probably going to be in the top ten of his career, and Kevin Durant, in two of those finals. Did he win it the one season when Kevin Durant wasn't there? No, but that was pity for Andre Iguodala, who should never have sniffed the MVP for that for that for that Finals uh, sequence. They talk about he locked up LeBron, even though LeBron averaged thirty two points a game. So I'm just like, you took one from him, and then the other two he played with Kevin Durant, who averaged maybe four or five points more in the in those final series. So I'm just like. Really, we gonna go there with that? Like, it, it, so I I don't hold those two minutes against him to keep him from being he don't step up in the clutch. That's that's my opinion. No, it ain't just that two minutes though. I mean, over his career, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit of context for for like, I mean, if he's on, it's hard to beat anybody that's on. If he's not on, it's not hard to beat him. It's just been that simple with the Warriors. They've had great shooters. It ain't just him. I think, like I said, I think he get too much credit for what him and Clay was doing and the Warriors system. I mean, Steph is a great shooter, but shit, Clay. So one, so one question for you, again. One question. So yeah. you were saying that he could, he was benefiting off of Clay being on the court, and they were both going off of each other, and that's why Steph was getting so many shots, and he was hitting all these long because people were focused on other parts of the team. What do you have to say this year when he's? averaging 39 points a game over the last 10 games when he's the focus on the floor and they don't really focus in on anybody else except for Stephen Curry and he's still doing what he's doing. Two things. Uh, number one, I said that was, it was when they were winning. That's why they got credit because when you add Clay, they had a, they had a ring. So it was them winning that made this whole thing why everybody want to shoot threes now because everybody can't dunk but everybody can shoot the ball. So when they actually won that way, that's when it kind of propelled. It wasn't just Steph, I mean, it was the whole team. But even now, like, I don't I don't take it away. I say he's the, I think he's the greatest shooter. And he's still scoring. I just don't think that he's the person that's gonna lead the team to, to win. I mean, he's gonna get his buckets. He's gonna hit some shots. He's gonna hit some crazy shots. You're gonna be like, wow, I've never seen that. But that doesn't equate to greatness just because you can I think he's underrated in a lot of categories that people try to bring up. When it comes to finishing, we obviously have said, like Greg said earlier, Kyrie Irving is the best finisher in the league. I can argue, you can bring up other people, but I can argue that Steph is probably the second best inside finisher behind Kyrie Irving in the league. I say him and Dame are one, are two B and two, two A and two B. I'll give Dame Dame credit. I think Dame is more trying to like mash on you if he has has the opportunity, where Steph is just trying to get the ball in the hoop. 
And Kyrie does it anyway. He can't. He doesn't dunk at all. But he just gets the ball in the hoop regardless. So if you want to say, okay, he's the best finisher. I mean, he's the best three point shooter we've ever seen. And right now in the current league, he's the best. He's the second best finisher in the league right now. Um, Stephen Curry just passed. I uh, forget who the guy was, but he just went and took the number one spot for most assists in Warriors franchise history. He's an underrated passer also. He doesn't get the credit he, that is due for him because they always see him shoot threes. Everybody equates it to he's just shooting all the time. He don't pass the ball. He's averaging 6.5 assists over his career per game. Um, so the only thing, I, and, and the knock on him is, is obviously defense, which we get that. But if you're going to look at the top 10 too, and, and we look at somebody like a, like a Shaq, Shaq was the most one of the most dominant offensive players the game has ever seen in, in history. He wasn't known for being the greatest defensive player of all like of all time. So, he said that himself. No, it, it's about it's about all right. So can you build around him, right? That's the whole thing. Can you build around him? All right. Can you take one player when you talk about greatness and when you're talking about greatest of all time? Can you build an entire team around that one player with that player being the most dominant and being the leader of that team? That's what Shaq was. That's what Jordan was. That's what Kobe was. That's what all these greats that we talked about. You could build a team around them and they can still be the best player and you can still win with them. But that's see that with Steph. That's what happened though. That's what it's a system that that team, that team was a system. It wasn't built around Steph. It was a system. When Monte when Steph first got there, there was a whole commotion between Monte Ellis being the guy in Golden State. And when they drafted Stephen Curry, the whole thing was Monte even came out in the media and was like, Look, I don't we can't be successful with with two similar guards. And and later on, they just the, the Warriors made a choice. We wanna we want to we want Steph leading the captain in the ship. And they got and they traded Monte Ellis ass away. And then you got yeah, so you're right. Then Draymond came, then Clay came, and those those were compliment Clay and Draymond were compliments to Steph. Steph was leading that show. So I don't I don't I don't know about that. I get what he's saying, and I have to I do have to agree that it may not be the build that you want or that you think the build should be, but they drafted pieces that were complimentary for, for the game that Steph had. And they drafted another guy who could play off the ball from him and shoot and play. He drafted a point forward in Draymond who could help organize the offense some whenever Steph wasn't doing that and had the defensive tenacity that the team needed. So it's like they got certain pieces to put around him for him to for them to be successful. And this was before Kevin Durant got there. So, I mean, I'm just saying like, he, I'm not saying, when, when we're talking about greatest of all time, I'm, obviously I'm not putting him in the top five. I'm not doing that. There's too many players that, are, that I think are over him for this position. This, it's hard for me to say he's not number 10. It's, it's really hard for me to say that. And then his teammate, who now is with the Brooklyn Nets, I would put Kevin Durant, when he's all done, probably nine or eight. So it's like, I have to give him 10 because you can't tell me that there's nine other guys that you would rather have in the, in, in the top 10 over seven period. You just can't do it. Like, I, I heard what you said, Cam, when you were talking about your the greatest players of all time. Like, I would never put, and this is my personal opinion, I would never put John Stockton on him because I, honestly, you could put Isaiah Thomas over, over over John Stockton. So we'll come back to the staff thing. I, I do want to get into the draft though. Um, so I wanted to ask Greg a question about the draft and how it's going, man. Like this draft is going so crazy right now. Yeah. So with so I'm gonna start with quarterbacks first. So you got. The top two that are always being talked about with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. 
And this was brought up on first take the other day. And it's 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 crazy for me to, to fathom this is you got Justin Fields, who they say is like number two quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. To me, in my opinion, I think he's number one. But I understand why they put him at number two. But you got Justin Fields as a number two rated quarterback, but he's slated to go the, be the fifth quarterback picked in the draft. To me, that makes no sense. Now, from all the, the scouting that has been done about is they say that he doesn't do doesn't do a good job of making progressions because based off the Indiana game and the Northwestern game, how he was doing interceptions, not completing passes, that type of thing. I get it. But the flip side to that is why would he have had to go through those progressions if his number one receiver is always open? And that to me, I think, is part of that plays into the equation. But when it comes to the draft as a whole, to me, this is so much skill position based. You got quarterbacks, you got receivers, and then you got defensive specialists like the guys in the secondary. And there's a lot of talk right now about teams trying to trade back, trying to trade up to get the player that they want. And I honestly think that this draft could go either way. The only spot I think that might be solidified on the first two picks with the Jags and the Jets going with Trevor Lawrence and then Zach Wilson from BYU. I think those are the only two that are probably solidified because you got the first pick who I think is going to be the first nine quarterback team is going to be Kyle Pitts, who everybody knows is a tight end from Florida, who is basically being compared to Julio Jones because dude is 6'6", he weighs 250, can run a 4'4", I believe, or 439, and dude is just a beast. So the Falcons own the number four pick and are slated to pick him, but they're also open to trading out of that pick as well. And then there's been talk about, you know, the Patriots trading up to, from the number 15 spot to the number 10 spot, which the Cowboys have to grab Justin Fields and the Cowboys trading back, obviously, trying to go defense because defense is what they need. They did lose uh, Anthony Brown. I'm sorry. Uh, I forget what his name is. Chiki something. Chike something. Uh, Awuze. They lost him in free agency. So D Dallas needs somebody on defense. But then the question comes, you take the best available or do you go with the D? Because last year, that's what the Cowboys did. The Cowboys had CeeDee Lamb fall to them. And they pick C.D. Lamb over defense. So this yeah, draft can go a hundred different ways. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And what was your specific question? I was really just kind of, he, he touched on it a little bit. He just said this draft going to go, it could go so many different ways. Because, man, it's like, all right, outside of Trevor Lawrence, even, even that second quarterback, Justin Fields, ain't even a lot. From, just from what I've been seeing. I don't follow football as much as I follow basketball, but... It don't even seem like he'll lock it as the second quarterback because they was talking about uh, Alabama quarterback. Yeah, Mac Jones. Um, at first, there were a lot of people were talking about him going to the Patriots because he's Brady esque or whatever. But as of late, they have in the again, it's just a mock draft. They got Fields going to the Patriots. The Patriots trying to trade up to get him. Now, obviously, right. Patriots need a quarterback because I mean Cam Newton. As much as I love Cam Newton, but he's just not that guy anymore. I mean, his shoulder, I think ever since he got hurt with the shoulder, that's just been plaguing him mentally trying to throw the ball. I mean, it looks like it hurts every single time he throws the ball. You know, so I honestly think there's going to be a lot of surprise picks with with what we think is going to happen because there's always a team that makes a move that we have no idea that's coming. So it's going to be some surprises in the draft. 
And it's going to be a lot of upset fans. You know, uh, if the Falcons trade back, I mean, the Falcons, for instance, number four pick, they got Matt Ryan, who's 36 years old, 36 years old, I believe. You know, he's on the tail end of his career. He's got maybe two years left. I think that's probably the most interesting thing about this draft is best available versus need. And to me, personally, I think you go with best available. Best available. I mean, if, if, if you got Kyle Pitts at number four and you need a defensive player, I think you got to take Kyle Pitts because he's a generational talent. You know, but I mean, again, the, the first round picks are, they pretty much make or break, you know, your franchise. Those are the guys that are like, hey, you're going to change my franchise. We expect you to be around. But history has shown, even just in the quarterback situation, the top quarterbacks that have been taken aren't even with their same original team. You know, so it's 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 real interesting to see what's going to happen with this draft. Man. I think the question that is on everyone's mind, at least here, the shoe program, is not just the fact of like the order of the quarterbacks. You know, I think the hard hitting question is, is he falling? Justin Fields falling because he's black, or what's what, what's the actual what's the actual reason? Because like if he's the number two rated quarterback as far as talent wise, how are you picking two two QBs over him? I know people want to say, oh well, four Niners are moving up because of uh, if Mac Jones fits the system and Mac Jones fits this. If you have a quarterback who is less talented than another quarterback. Why are you picking him because you think he fits the system when Justin Fields is so talented, he can take your system beyond what it currently is and something different, something better. So, you know, the black quarterback question has been, you know, debated heavily over the last 10, 15 years, because obviously there's a reason that we always drop on draft day and other players move up out of nowhere. You can look as recent as it's Trubisky going over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson when clearly I think anybody watching any games that North Carolina had that year, Mitchell Trubisky couldn't even throw the ball at North Carolina. So, question is, do you agree with what, what, what do you think, Greg? Do you think he's falling because of his skin color or or what? Now, see, uh, me being analytical, I, 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 and I was actually having this conversation earlier today, you know, because it's I think throwing throwing the race thing out there is such a fine line. I mean, because you can attribute a lot of stuff to the race part. You can. So with the whole black thing, yeah, you can attribute you can attribute some of that, but I don't think it tells the whole story. But for me, in terms of seeing what uh, I've heard from the draft, like for instance, the 49ers, I'll take for instance, the 49ers, very interested in Justin Fields, okay? Justin Fields ran some plays that the 49ers do, uh, run at his pro day. And so I think it's more so system-based uh, simply because, yes, we see Justin Fields has a great talent. We definitely see that. No one can dispute that. But also, you you kind of got to use, you got to coach to be able to fit what the player does. You got to, the, the team has got to be able to adapt to the player. And for one, if, if you don't have any weapons, Two, it also depends on where you go with two because weapons are, are huge. I don't care what anybody says, weapons are huge. Justin Fields needs people to throw to. If the 49ers give him the best chance to do that in the system, then he should go there. If he falls back to the Patriots, I would say, okay, the Patriots need a quarterback, yes. But then his career starting off is going to suck because he has no weapons to throw to. I mean, Julian Edelman just retired. He was 34, 35 years old or whatever. 
but he was like the best player that they had. And he wasn't even that good last year. So I think it's more so just the system that he could fit into, which one does he fit well with based off of his skill set. But I mean, again, you can go, you can throw it out there with, with the race thing too. But I think it's more so just, just system based. What system fits him the best based off of the team that can give him the most success? Because you don't want to go to it. I mean, granted, he's going to go wherever he goes, but he can't. He can't get to a team and have no weapons that you expect him to to do well and be successful. It ain't going to happen. That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I just find it weird that we never heard of Zach Wilson until after after the bowl game. <laughs> the quarterback on the board and Mac Jones was never mentioned as being a top five quarterback candidate and all of a sudden he's number three. Uh, so they want to talk about but they want to talk about Fields always throws to people oh he can't go past his first read cool Mac Jones throws to receivers who are butt naked wide open every single time they're wide open so you know I'm just that's just my that's just my look at it yeah, and, and I, I get that too. Trust me, I get it. And that's why I said with the whole progression thing, I don't necessarily take that as, I don't know what the mainstream media is saying, you know, because he can't make progression past his first receiver. But like I said earlier, why would he have to make him when his, when his main guy is always open? I mean, to me personally, Justin Fields, I think is the number one rated quarterback. And I go back to the game of Ohio State Clemson. That to me solidified any type of question you might have about him whatsoever and here's why this man took a vicious hit in the back everyone obviously had to come out for you know a couple plays or whatever because he got hurt and everyone in a right mind thought okay well ohio state is definitely done it's over game over this man comes back in is still chunking the bar ball 60 yards down the field with a hurt back okay and beats ohio or i'm sorry beats Clemson. okay and everyone was hyping that match about trevor lawrence versus justin fields and Justin Fields came out on top. To me, that solidifies the argument point blank right there. And Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this draft. And I don't get paid. I don't get paid to, to make those type of analysis. Um, so <laughs> that's not. That's I'll, I'll say this about man about the first read though. Like in college, you you probably can't get away with going into your first option most of the time. Uh, but that ain't gonna happen in the league. So. You know, if if you don't, even if that first read is open, but if you don't even show progression in college, you're in a world of trouble when you get to the league. It don't even matter how great you was at throwing into that first receiver. So, but that, I, I don't that's know where the coach how. comes in. That's where the coach comes in. If he can't make progressions in the league, if he can't do that, that's where the coach. I'm not but saying what I'm saying is how do you how does he move up though? But how does he move up without doing it though? That's what I'm saying. You see, you got people who've already shown that they can do this and they're not moving up like he has moved up. You see what I'm saying? Like, and, and to, to even to touch on Justin Fields, Justin Fields showed you grit in that game, dude. Like that dude showed you something. You don't, you don't get that often from, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's an I ain't even gonna bring up, right. I ain't even gonna bring up what Trevor Lawrence said. And listen, the fact that he played through that, like, you know, in that locker room, dude got, you You know he going down for the cause. You know he gonna put it all on, out there. So you can go and put it all out there with him, right? That's what breeds champions. So I don't know how he even falling, but it, it just don't make I'm saying, And I'm saying, I'm, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. 
the, and right. I said that, that game solidified it for me. I was done after that. I didn't need to see no more. I didn't have to see anything more after that game. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on Justin Fields, bro. We we on the same page there. I just don't know why Mac Jones moving up and you know he had a primary receiver who was just balling all year who just went off and like I mean I, I get it, but dude, like now that now here now here's where here's where they take statistics into uh, into account. Okay, with that now I mean, you got Alabama the statistical played the full season. Alabama played a full season. <laughs> Other than, than the Big Ten, because the Big Ten obviously didn't start this season until October. Okay. <laughs> Mac Jones threw for 41 touchdowns and four picks. Okay. And Justin Fields threw for 22 touchdowns and six picks. But the year before, Justin Fields threw 41 touchdowns and three picks with a, with a full schedule. And then Mac Jones did the same thing. So I think they're going to look at it. And plus, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the man was at Alabama. You know, so he's I mean, he's gonna get hyped up just from being there. And you gotta have great, great people will make you look great even when you may not be great yourself. Devontae Smith made a dude look outstanding. Jalen Waddle made a dude look outstanding. He may not be the greatest quarterback, but he had dudes that make him look that good. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's everything that go into play. The line gotta get a quarterback time and the, the receivers get up. Everything goes into play. But I got one question. If just should I say it, EJ? Should I ask? Because he a coach. He the only football coach we got on this chat. Go ahead. Go ahead. If Justin Fields said, I don't live for football, I could care less about winning a Super Bowl, would you want him on your team, Greg? Now, hold on. Hold on. Because I'm going to play, I'm going to just play devil's before you go there, wait. Before you go there, can you answer the question first? <laughs> yeah, this will answer the question. No, I would. I would. You would think okay. that's not a normal answer. That's okay. Not a normal answer. Now go to devil's advocate. Okay. So then, when it comes to that, you, that could just be that could just be something to stir up controversy, stir up, just start start a pot. Okay. Players do do that. Now, obviously, Man, I don't know. Not, we don't get that luxury to. They right, but I'm just saying some players can start a pot. They they like to make they like to make it a scene, gives people something to talk about. You know, right, wrong, or different, that's what happens. You know, part of my language. You know, it, it happens. I'm not saying you should do it. I think that's a bad tactic. Me, for me I don't know that he's stirring the pot though, because his dad and his wife has said the exact same thing about him. So it's like this ain't coming from no like wait, Cam, can you let the audience know what they put what the parents did? Just yeah, uh, yeah. Football is he, football is not his whole life. He he he's not he's not looking to. It's not everything to him. He'll um, be okay. He'll be no. okay if he never wins a Super Bowl. He don't have to. You know, he's gonna be the greatest he can. But you know, what happens happens. Type of deal. Mm -hmm. And you know, for your quarterback, you 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 got your leader and your quarterback. And if he's not willing to put it all on the table, how you gonna follow him? So yeah, he might have the greatest talent. Let's say I'm not even saying that, but let's say even if he does have the greatest talent, we've seen this before, man. If you don't have the heart, if you don't have the demeanor to lead a team, you ain't gonna be nothing. We've seen this before. I'm not saying it's gonna happen to him, but that, that's that's where the question came from. If you got that kind of mindset and you the quarterback, you know. I just, so I look at it like this. I think that it's okay for you to have those feelings to yourself, man. I think. 
you can be in your head, be like, you know what? I'm gonna go out and give 110%. I'm gonna leave it all on the field, but I'm not messed up if at the end of my career, I don't have a Super Bowl or I don't have an NBA championship or whatever. I think it's okay for you to have that feeling yourself, but number one, you shouldn't say that in the public. That's just not something you should say. I think coming from an athlete's perspective, a lot of us, you know, everybody who's played who played ball in, you know, high school, college, whatever, we all know that at the end of the day, everybody's not gonna win an NFL championship, not gonna win a Super Bowl, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna win an uh, NBA championship. Like we all we understand that. But you still need to go out there and perform at the best that you can without distraction. So for me, like you say, I think Greg said, he's walking a fine line, honestly. But I 100% agree with what you said in the fact that we can't say that. As soon as we say that, we drop from second overall quarterback to five. Like, so it's 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 a double standard, obviously, as we can yeah. see. Like um, you say, wait till the career over to say something like that. You say that you ain't that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at least be you know, be in the league, you know, uh, that's that seems to be a trend that's going on because you got players like Russell Westbrook, you know, Carmelo Anthony, you know, KD over there talking about, you know, it, it didn't satisfy. We well, we know why it didn't satisfy KD because you cheated to win, but still, that's another story. <laughs> so, Tool came in. Oh, this easy, really? Tool is it? Mm. You still saying that? <laughs> After you got best three times, right? Yeah. Um, my easy. thing is like. Like you said, he can he can say that when his career is over with. After he's won a couple of Super Bowls, you can say that. Like, you know, if I never won, it, it is what it is. But you can't, you can't enter the league and me be a GM and say, I want that guy to leave me right there. That's not what I look at. I mean, I, I, he could be as talented as, as Tom Brady. Don't tell me that you're not focused on the common goal of the team, which is winning a Super Bowl. Because the question for me is, why do you play the game? So exactly. that's my whole thing. Say, so 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 just to give a point of reference, because you did mention Tom Brady. When Tom Brady was entering the league, his dad said you would have to drag him off the field. Big difference. Greg, a couple of questions before you get out of here. Um, as someone who is a, a Eagles fan, we're going through a lot of uh emotionless times. <laughs> uh <laughs> What do you see us doing at 12? Do you see us moving up? Uh, what's going on in their heads? Because I can't figure it out. So uh, how, how do you see this going? Do you see defense first? Do you see it moving up to go ahead and get pits or get a receiver? Um, and if we do stick at 12, do you think there'll be a good enough cornerback out there for us to get? So to me, for y'all's pick 12, if you're gonna, if, for the Eagles, if y'all are going to move up in the draft, it's got to be somebody that's worth getting it. It's a must-have because I, I, there was talks, you know, like I said, the Cowboys got the 10th pick and teams are inquiring about that. For me, to move from 12 to 10 to get your guy is not really... I, I think you'll still have the guy that you want at 12 and because to move up two spots, I I don't think that no one's going to get the pick that you want at 12 just to move up two spots to 10. I don't think that. But for y'all specifically, y'all need help at wide receiver. Y'all need, I mean, wide receiver O-line is the help because Jason Peters, I think, I can't, I can't remember if, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, uh, he was on his last leg, like literally, he got yes. hurt, you know, and then y'all lost, um, what's the other center, what's the other white boy, uh, white boy that y'all had um, that went down? 
on the line. Uh, I mean, uh, Kelsey's still there. We still I got. Can't remember, I can't remember his name, but he went down the O line thing for y'all this year too. So I mean, O line, y'all definitely need help. But definitely at the skills spot, that's gonna be huge for Jalen Hurts' success. You know, because honestly, I don't think anybody's giving him a chance. Everyone's saying draft the quarterback, draft the quarterback. I don't think anyone's giving him a chance, and they should. Um, but like, y'all need help at the skill position. I mean, Greg Ward Jr. came in, did fine. All right, but he's not. He's not the number one. Deshaun uh, Jackson, no. Alshon Jeffrey, he need to retire. I mean, and uh, y'all really have nobody at the skill spot for him to throw to. So y'all going to be struggling in the passing game. O-line, y'all need some protection up front. Y'all really the do. The thing is, we were already at six. The draft starts at five. Because the first five quarterbacks are going in the top six picks. Why do you move to 12 when you have two or at least one person who they say is a generational talent in Kyle Pitts and have the opportunity, if you can't get him, to get Jamar Chase, who's probably the best wide receiver the Eagles have seen in the last 10 years? So the, the only thing, now this is stupid to me, but they must have got, like I said, they had to have gotten or been talking around the league, being like, hey, y'all trying to move up? Okay, take my spot, we'll trade back, and then we'll still get the same guy that we want. All right, so like I said, they had to have gotten a lot on their a lot on their return for them to do that. But then to try to move up again, I I don't know what they're trying to do that for. To me, that I mean, just to move up into the top ten, they have to move up high for it to be significant enough to to, to do that because you already traded back and to move up just a couple of spots, get somebody to get it's not worth it. You have to give up something unless you know, unless they don't mind doing that. Which I mean, in the past, I mean, we've seen the whole the Eagles. Trade away the entire team, give rid of star talent. So I mean, it's not, it's not beyond me. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to me, I just I don't think if they're gonna move up, it has to be a significant move. It can't just be up a couple of spots to grab somebody. That same person will be available for them at, at twelve. Us Cowboys want to come in, but still they can do that. I mean, that's a rivalry all in its own. So who knows? What about your Cowboys, actually? What's, what's going on with that? <sighs> so. The Cowboys originally were slated to get Patrick Sertain, who's a quarterback from Alabama. And Trevon, oh, I'm sorry, Trevon, but uh, yeah, Trevon Diggs is there as a Cowboys cornerback. He was a rookie last year. They have two Alabama cornerbacks, I think, would be great for their confidence. And they both have played together, so they know what's going on. But, but now I'm hearing that the Cowboys are, you know, open to, to trading out of the 10th spot. And to me, Cowboys, this, this don't surprise me because Cowboys always trade back. There's only been, I think, one time in the last like four years Cowboys stuck at the first first round spot and not traded yeah. back. Um, yeah. And so to me, it doesn't it doesn't shock me. But if the Cowboys trade back and don't get somebody who they could have gotten at the 10th spot, it's going to piss off a lot of people. And so right now, they're slated to get Jason Horn, who is the cornerback from South Carolina. Um, so that's a need. I mean, they definitely do need a quarterback. But if at the tenth spot, at the tenth spot, you've got somebody like which I'm not saying he'll be there, but if you got a Kyle Pitts, to me, you gotta take Kyle Pitts. That's he won't be there over at 10, that he won't be there at ten. I know he won't be there at ten. But I'm saying if you got a okay, let's just say like you got a Jamar Chase. Okay, let's say Jamar Chase is there. Okay, which he won't be, but let's just say he's there. 
Do you go Jamar Chase, best available, or do you go with the needed cornerback? Now, the Cowboys already got three really good receivers in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. All right, to add another one to the mix, I mean, I would love that personally, but then again, your defense is going to suffer. So, to me, if the Cowboys go offense with the pick, it's because they think they're going to outscore everybody because this is an offensively driven league. You know, so as long as you can score more than the other team, your defense can be as trash as it needs to be. I mean, we've seen the Chiefs, all they, they, they depend on, on Patrick Mahomes for offense. So the defense doesn't have to be that good. Obviously, that wasn't the case with the Cowboys last year. Their defense was the worst defense in the NFL. Huh. I mean, granted, Dak, Dak Prescott did go down, so that played a part into it. But, I mean, they were still terrible even when he was there. You know, so it's if the Cowboys go offensive skills because they think they can outscore anybody and that will carry them on, that will carry them to a victory. That's that's my logic when it comes to that. So I mean, to me, the Cowboys need defense, but I would say go with best available if you got it at ten. And if they trade back, they get somebody that's uh, no name worth, no brand whatsoever. Then I would look at the Cowboys front office and be like, what the hell are they doing? Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that's you pretty much summed up most of the draft for us. Most of the teams that we look at here um, and you went over the quarterbacks, which is the most important you know, position on the field. So we appreciate you stopping through and giving us uh, your analysis on everything, bro. Yeah, I appreciate y'all's time, man. Uh, I, I do it anytime. I talk sports at the time. And just before I leave, Steph put up 48 points and had 10 threes, I believe. Nine or 10 threes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a resident Steph fan now. Hey, you got to be, hey, if you're great, you're great. I mean, acknowledge greatness. Got to acknowledge greatness. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, that was it for the draft. Um, we got a couple more topics that we can get into real quick, so let's hop into them. Um, Alex Smith retired. You know, to stay on the NFL train, Alex Smith retired, and I think he'll be most known for a couple of things. One, um, being drafted over Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers sliding to the end of the first round. Number two, uh, having three or four different head coaches in his first five seasons in San Francisco, and then getting his job taken from him after he had done well by Colin Kaepernick. And then the last thing would probably be the horrific injury uh, that we saw in Washington. But overall, I think he was a good quarterback. You know, he had a little mobility. Um, he was able to, to basically be a be a, a field manager. Basically, He was never a guy who was just going to give a spectacular play after a spectacular play. But he was able to, you know, to lead a team pretty far. I don't think he ever got his his, his full chance because he kind of got cut off a couple times and had a bad team when he first got in the league. But um, it was good to see him make a comeback. Uh, you know, this past year after that horrific injury, he he suffered on, from from his leg. Um, yeah, for real. Yeah, that was one of the worst injuries I've probably seen in sports history. So, major had a recovery process with that man. That was brutal, bro. A whole year of worth and almost having his leg amputated. So yeah, yeah. Hats off to him for making the return. And honestly, I think they can name the uh the comeback player of the year award after him, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to <laughs> but I, I will say this, man. I, I don't I do think that a lot of times, you know, these game managers may not get some of the credit they deserve. Like it ain't a bad thing to be a game manager. And I don't know who coined it to be negative to be a game manager, but it's not. A lot of game managers have won rings. You just need a great defense. So, hell, Tom Brady was a game manager in some of the Super Bowls he played in. 
Like yep. it ain't it ain't it ain't a bad thing at all, man. But for whatever reason, it just depends on if they like you or not to whether it'll be a bad thing to be a game manager or not. So that's my two cents on it. Yep. Uh, let's see. I hope he has a uh, a, post, a good post career. Maybe he'll do what usually all the other players do when they retire. They, you know, they still all reporter jobs. And uh, going to all reporter jobs. I'm a I'm a communi- I'm a communication well, graduate. So I'm I'm you know I got a bunch of friends that's in reporting. I got a bunch of friends in sports reporting. And yeah, so. <laughs> I don't take it. No, they, I don't take it personally. They got their allocated stuff. list, though. They all. I mean, here's the thing: when it comes to that, they're never going to come in and just flood the market with athletes. One athlete's going to replace another. So if he's going to be recruit, if he's going to be uh, compensating next year, somebody in like that's they, all. They got. They got these kids coaching Jeopardy, bro. First of all, let's just let's just get <laughs> on the gold credit. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers killed. It. So let's just let's just let's be real. Mm. He killed it. So I didn't see that episode. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> he love my burden. And he did a solid yeah. yeah, so we'll see how that goes out. Um another news on retirement. Uh Lamarcus Aldridge moving over to the NBA. He retired um this past, I believe it was last Thursday. Um he had an irregular heartbeat. And, uh, you know, any kind of issue or something that goes on with your heart, especially if you're out there running, you know, 30 minutes a game. Um, I guess he just felt that it was not something he wanted to go through again. And he had another and another issue with his uh, with his health earlier in his career. I forget the name of it at the moment, but he tried to hang it up after 15 years in the league. So, again, hats off to DeMarcus. I think he's going to help the Nets out a little bit to see him, but... Um, you know, they're going to move on with Blake Griffin to see, see where they go from here. I think it takes a lot of courage for someone like that. You know, someone who, especially, is very close to a championship um, with with the Brooklyn, with Brooklyn and the team that they have, um, to, you know, definitely put the family first, put that pride and ego aside and be like, you know, I want to be here for, you know, my family. You know, this is a game, it's, it's a job, I, but, you know, I love my family more i want to i want to be able to live and live a long time so you know you don't play with that type of stuff right there uh Shaq's son had a similar situation with um where he had a a heart issue and you know you know he took time out and you know and, and recuperate from that and, and he's now playing for LSU but yeah man that's speaking this is coming from somebody that, that you know that was born with a heart defect and myself so I definitely know where he's coming from. One of the reasons why I couldn't I couldn't really get into uh, high school sports because of that. So, you know, I could have been the greatest. We would never know. But hey, you know, I, I you know, I feel your respect to Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, he'll still get a championship if Brooklyn wins, but doesn't look like unfortunately. Um, I mean, let's nah. I mean, let's All right. But for LA though, for LA. In, in, in the great words of Pops, man, you win some and you lose some. Lose some. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. we, we, won't, we won't get into that. Um, definitely. <laughs> uh, Marv, go ahead and just speak a little bit. I know uh, we kind of touched on it briefly uh, in the last podcast. But, you know, the hey, can you catch us up too, Marv, on the... On the um, 
Uh, you just said his name. I just, I just went blank, bro. Uh, DMX and then, um, yeah, Black Rob. Black Rob yeah. Hey, uh, can you catch us up, man? I don't really know much about the Black Rob story, to be honest with you. All right. Well, as we touched on last podcast, you know, we gave our condolences to the great Earl Simmons, aka DMX, man, of his passing, and you know, just his contribution to, to hip hop. But um, what was even sadder, alongside with that, is um, rapper Black Rob passed this week at the age of fifty-one, which is really, really sad. Um, the reason why I said is, is if you don't know, Black Rob's the guy who made the song Glow, which was a huge record in 99 and probably is still one of Bad Boy's greatest records of all time. Featured on plenty of records, including Special Delivery and numerous other just great, great records through that whole tenure of his on Bad Boy with his first album being Life Story, which to me is a classic. But um, sad thing about Black Rob, and I don't even know, and, and many people have alluded to this, is just like, Artists who typically like leave Bad Boy don't end up like in great situations. Like something terrible happens to him. It's almost like people call like a Diddy person. They feel like he's demonic because everything bad has happened to every artist in Bad Boy. It's ridiculous. So thing about Black Rob is that after you know his um rap fame, he fell into a lot of trouble, man. You know, in in and out of prison. Um, you know, battle with drugs. Uh health problems are really really bad and this is what kind of like was really sad about the story because after dmx passed news came out a video came out on twitter that black rob was basically like he put out a video saying like he was homeless talking about like hey, him and his friend were basically trying to scrounge up like a couple thousand dollars just to literally like cover rent and find a place to stay and this is a dude who at one point had one of the biggest records in the country you know on, on the charts and um Another thing as well with his health is that in the video he mentioned he suffered from four strokes at four different occasions. So for to get that news and a guy who, you know, by all means in the New York hip hop scene and even across the country is a great like and have to go through that. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And it even makes me as a hip hop fan kind of look at the culture like what, what are we doing to whereas our stars aren't even growing old. Like thinking about that, our generation, none of our stars are like growing old. Every, all of our heroes and everybody's dying, which is wild. Like Kobe, Nipsey, DMX, like numerous, numerous famous like hip hop icons and just people in our culture, they're not making it to being 60 and 70. Like we still up here looking at our parents' heroes as like folks who just like, dang, these people are legends, but we ain't, you know, we lucky we got Jigga and Diddy to get as old as they have. But real, real sad story. I know um, at a certain point there was a GoFundMe out that I think people donated to, and it's been rumored that like I think Diddy reached out to him, but hey, he never got to see it, man. And you know, condolences to his family. God rest his soul. And and in a sense, I'm glad he didn't have to suffer. You know, his afflictions that he was battling through in in his last days. But what a way to go, man. Real, real sad story. All right. Yeah, he, uh, you know, one of the mismanaged rappers up there with Shine, who also um, had a good bit in jail, was one of the uh, premier rappers in the 90s who was like supposed to be the next Biggie. At one point they were saying, but you know, he ran into issues and I think he was involved in that whole J-Lo shooting in the club uh, thing too. Yeah. Um, he got deported too, but Sean will keep out back love. He's, he's basically like, I think he either won, he's like a diplomatic police now, like uh, his home country. 
Oh, okay. I, I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I heard something like that. Yeah, you're right. You're he, right. Was running, he was like running for government. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, it sounds very familiar. I think I did hear something about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, condolences to Black Rob, man. Respect. Uh, sad. I was, I was going to say, too, uh, Marv, I was going to say, it seems like all the Black rappers, I don't know, Come on, I want to jump on a camp thing, but it seems like all the black rappers are having issues with Diddy. Because MGK, I was talking to talking to my brother earlier, and I, I, my brother had to enlighten me. I was telling him, I was like, I said, I thought MGK had uh, parted ways with, with uh, Bad Boy Records. He's like, no. And he's like, no, he never, he, my brother's like, no, he never did. He, he Every album that he has put out has been under, under the Bad Boy label. I thought they had some kind of beat, but no, and he was right. I looked, I looked the stuff up. In every album or mixtape that he ever, MGK ever put out, and, by, and I want to tell you guys this: every album I believe went gold. Um, uh, it was under Bad Boy. Now I don't know if those, I don't know, you know, there's the, there's new standards for gold now because you know, of course, they're allowing streams, uh, certain right. streams that you know, equip, equivalent, uh, be equivalent to uh, sales now. So I don't know if that's part of that because I doubt. I mean, well, it may be because I doubt people are really going out there buying MGK albums. So. <laughs> yeah. That's what we think. <laughs> well, yeah, you right. He, he got all these, like I said, you know, uh, this ain't some, you know, this ain't something I said it before. A lot of white people are buying hip hop more than I think black people, especially buying, you know, straight up, you know, full albums and stuff. Uh, right. So I think that's, I, I don't know, they, they're, these new artists that's coming out, uh, hey, man, they, White people are embracing it more than they have and they have ever before. Crazy. Yep. Well, appreciate y'all um, touching on that. Um, a couple of quick things before we um, get out of here. Uh, Jay, me and you kind of talked about it briefly earlier, but Marvel released the uh, trailer for their movie Shang Chi today. Uh, Jay, what do you think about it? I thought it was uh I you know we you, you text me you like you know you got to see more I, I'm with you on that I, I think I got to see more he's a very um little known character in Marvel so uh, they they need to do a lot to make him stand out I'm excited for the film because I want to see a proper um uh, a proper portrayal of the Mandarin who's the arch enemy of Iron Man and they kind of flubbed that up in Iron Man three where. Yeah, there was a fake man during the whole time, and then some dude was a daughter's. They they ruined it, but um, that was a time where Marvel didn't know they wanted to go full sorcery and magic stuff. But you have to kind of you have to. But uh, but yeah, we're going to see a proper Mandarin uh, portrayal this time, and uh, yeah, I want to see uh, I want to see I, I want to see some kung fu stuff, man. I'm, it's been a while. I'm tired of seeing all these It Man movies, man. I want to see some more kung fu stuff. Word. Yeah, they make fire. an it man movie every other every fire. other year, every other month. Hey, so they From the trailer, and correct me if I'm wrong, they try to make it seem like Shang Chi is the Mandarin's son. Yeah, yeah. So the story with that is, um, in the early days of the comics, Marvel actually borrowed a character called uh, Fu Manchu. From um, he borrowed they borrowed that uh, characters from another novel from another novelist or whatever, but. Of course, you know there was it was very controversial because you know Fu Manchu, just the name in itself and, and the characters and the story they were telling were you know kind of negative Asian stereotypes. So 
they decided to get rid of um, the, the Fu Manchu character and the, the rights reverted back to the original um, author. And uh, so, yeah, they kind of flipped it to where the Mandarin is now the father of Shang-Chi, which I'm cool with. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a big thing that's really going to affect stuff, you know? But yeah, man, we'll see. Um, like, like you said, tired of seeing the man movies. It'll be cool to see how they incorporate, uh, you know, the martial arts and everything into the Marvel Universe. So I'm, I'm anxious to see that. Right. I was going to say this, too, because, uh, you know, I'm curious what they want to do with the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings were like kind of Earth's version of the Infinity Stones in a way. But, uh, you know, he's a Kung Fu. Like, he's he's not known to have powers. He's literally just a... a, a Exactly. He's like the, he's considered the best martial artist in the Marvel yeah. universe. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm curious how they're going to do that, especially because usually when they get these characters, big movies, that means, you know, well, he actually in the comics became a member of the Avengers. So if we ever see Shang-Chi in, on the Avengers team and, you know, the, the, the new Avengers from, we got, I might have to see him do more than just beat people up with his bare hands. So well, I think, I think they're going to, he's going to get something. He's not gonna be Batman. Be like, you know, he he he's invincible or anything like that. But he might get like a little Iron Fist nod where he can hit people really hard or do mm-hmm. something like that. It, it, it'll be it'll be something. They're not just gonna be like, oh, he's a regular guy off the street, right? <laughs> For a couple of years, like he, they're gonna give him some kind of power to where it helps him, you know, succeed over these villains that that are out here. All right, a little bit more powerful than like than like say uh, Black Widow or something like that. I thought about that too because I was like, man, if, if he, because almost in a way, Drag, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Drag, Iron Fist, Iron Fist and Shang Chi are almost similar characters in a way. So I was like, yep. man, if, if they, if Shang Chi is going to be the the kung fu guy, they probably we really ain't seeing Iron Fist project anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is, on this movie, this should be Iron Fist. He has the story, okay. has the back, he, he like. They messed mm-hmm. it up, you know. They, they didn't give him the budget that, that they needed, or they didn't hire the right uh, choreographers for for Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But because I saw a lot of memes out there today about that, about how mad he is looking at the Shang Chi trailer, which <laughs> really like, not a crazy amount of scenes, really. But but you could tell already the fighting is better in Shang Chi than it was in, in uh, Iron Fist. So yeah, I'm just kind of upset because I think Iron Fist is a wasted character that could have tied in greatly with. Uh, the Avengers. Oh uh, well, the Avengers, but I'm specifically, it should have brought both of these dudes to the big screen, which is Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage. So, right, right. I, I think we did a lot more with Iron Fist, and they, they squandered that opportunity. But um, in other news, I know me and Marvin were talking about this this week. Uh, Resident Evil comes out soon. I believe it's first week of May. Uh, so we're not yeah. too far off from that. But we watched the showcase where they kind of showed some new game modes and just kind of went into little little bit of a deep dive i guess in the gameplay and how it's going to be yeah marvel are, are you thinking about picking it up and, and how you think it looks to you when you watch it damn i haven't played resident evil you already know how to do about scary <laughs> stuff and i ain't gonna lie i'm pussy i, I can't i can't, I can't rock it. And, I, and i'm not gonna lie bro this game was terrifying bro <laughs> <laughs> i barely i barely finished all it has in it like nah these zombies because the, the thing is the zombies are still scary but like they're low-key like they're low key. This is what I'm guessing without having to go into the story. You know how, like, uh, like, right? You know, like the whole thing with Underworld and shit, where, like, you know, like they have wolves and zombies. And it's like a mix. That's what I think these things are. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you got the whole imagery of Chris Redfield was like half his face and half wolf face. So yep. it's like it's something about that that has to tie into the story. Um, 
I think it's gonna be fire games, bro. Yeah, bro. I'm a, I'm a, Resident, the past two Resident Evils, I mean, this one, Biohazard yeah. was fire, and this one's pretty fire. It's a continuation, so I mean, they did a, a great job with it. Uh, as we know, Resident Evil's been going on forever, like literally forever, I think. And what they end up doing is that they get to playing around with stupid elements from all the Resident Evils and try to like pick and choose what they're going to take from the last ones to put in the new one. And I think with this one, if you want to make it similar, I think it's what like the closest to like what Resident Evil 3 or something like that. When, when did they start incorporating the whole system? Resident, uh, Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4. 4, 4 or something like that. I think it's it's the to me mechanically i think it's the best resident evil they probably have made um, like the whole sense of like organizing the inventory like that is oh, yeah, way yeah. better now so you don't feel like dude like in biohazard bro you couldn't find nothing you were just running and hiding like you couldn't find no bullets none of that like you ran out it's just like well good luck yeah that's they they, they wanted to go back to the whole survival horror thing instead of the action yeah, yeah, but the thing is that it didn't work for that game because the enemies were so freaking ridiculous, bro. That was the that was the problem. Like you gotta have a balance. And the same thing is with this one. Technically, it's the same elements, but it's like they got the best balance. Like Resident Evil games are all about balance. This is like the last one that was trash was the one me and EJ played in college. I forgot what number that was. That was ridiculous when it was an Africa. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Resident Evil Five was great. Marvel was it six? Was it Marvel? Was it six? Six was the one that had six. The one where he was punching the boulder at the, at the end. Of the- no, that's five. That's five. That's five. That was ridiculous. Bro. Yeah, that was that was that was ridiculous. But Resident Evil Five is actually my favorite RE game, and actually was great. Like I said, ain't nothing. This was the easiest to get into, but elements wise and mechanics wise, I was like, come on, really? No, I know it was. Five, but it's, I it enjoyed it, but it wasn't. It wasn't. If I had to compare it to the other ones, I'm just like, yeah, nah. If just, I'm thinking about what Resident Evil is, they went more right? action. Yeah, it, it was, was more action. action. Yeah, it was, it was, it was 500 was. bullets and shoot through. <laughs> and like, it was totally. Yeah, that's what it was. Resident Evil movies, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil games, yeah. Yeah, versus this one is about solving puzzles, the story. You're looking at different elements. Like you still got that fear element or whatever. Like how they crash the environment you can't really seize on they just like pop up you can guard like it right. has some kind of feel like me watching demos on youtube uh, like the showcase and even today bro i was like yeah no <laughs> like i like i told ej though man i think um i'll be bowing out i'm retired from resident evil because uh uh like i told ej before i I'm, i get claustrophobic in these in certain first person shooter games i'm a big first fps fan but certain games where you in a house all day and all you see is walls around you i start getting like nauseated and i and i and i love i love resident evil but i tried to play biohazard and i could only play for like 30 minutes to a time time and before i got nauseated and then i had to wait a little while and try to pick it up again and just at that point it just wasn't worth it and, you know, I, I couldn't play through it. And, and it seems like they're doing this, you know, this first person point from now on because they want to keep the, the survival uh, theme going on. So I, I'm about, I'm, I'm going to wait till they decide to, you know, either do a side series where they want to return back to the action, action stuff. Because to me, I feel like you could do that with third person. You don't necessarily have to be first person, but hey, it is what it is. But uh, yeah. yeah. They got the multiplayer. There's two things to that. Mm-hmm. There's. This one is not going to only be inside of a building. Yes, there is the mansion, but um, 
the main thing about this one is you're going to also be in the village too, which is outside. So mm. you're going to have to go back to the village for stuff. Yeah, you all you won't be all spending all your time in the mansion only. That's number one. Number two, there is another mode, and I'm forgetting the name of the mode. But in this mode, um, it's like a speed trial mode where it's basically all about shooting zombies and shooting like the gauntlet or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, so Jay, you'll be moving fast trying to get to objectives. You won't be just in the house. You'll be like out doing stuff. So mm -hmm. there is an alternative for people who don't want to just be survival horror mode the whole time. Gotcha. Right. Right, right, right. But um, overall, I think it's gonna be a dope game. I think I think it's gonna be a dope game. I think it's a dope story. Um, the graphics look incredible. That's one thing I was really blown away by. I was like, bro, this looks real, dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's I, I think it's a great. It's, it's a. I think it's a well-written story. Like, it, it's just the demo along was crazy. Like, just nuts. I was like, oh yeah, these fucks are. But I think that's it, fellas. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it for today. I appreciate everybody tuning in. And uh, if y'all got anything else other than that, we should be good to go. Man, we came and blessed the family on a Monday. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> hey, Ray. Hey, you know what time it is. Me, you already know what time it is. Stupid. real, man. Yep. Definitely that, man. Definitely that. Well, go ahead and close out this episode, man. We want to thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Shoe Program, man. Feel free to follow us on all socials, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Definitely like and subscribe this episode. Feel free to reach out to us and talk to us, man. We love hearing from y'all, man. Give y'all feedback. And, you know, just keeping us abreast of what's going on in the community, man, and then other elements and events that, you know, you all are interested in, man. So, until next time, man. Money love. Peace. Peace. Peace.